Well, good morning, Browncroft. Uh, it's good to be with you today. My name is Aaron uh, McGinnis, or as the students, some of you are out there, as you guys know me, A.A. Ron. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm excited to talk to you today. You might also know me as the father of a child who often scurries through the lobby unattended, and people are like, who's where are this child's parents? Little Addie Mae, she's 19 months old. I don't know if you remember when I first brought her onto stage years ago. She's 19 months old now. And I think last I saw her before the service, she was running out in the lobby. Um, which, Addie, if you're out in the lobby, Daddy is not stuck in the ceiling tiles. This is just a projection of my voice. I love you. Okay. Just want to clear that up with her beforehand. <laughs> hey, we are in week two of our Advent series. If you were here last week, you got to hear the wonderful Ashley Cross. I always get excited, like mark my calendar when she's talking because she does such a great job. And she talked about making room for hope and how Jesus, when he came as a child, he made a way for hope, and how we can cling to him and his hope for the future um, to get through today. And this week, we're on week two, which means we are talking about making room in your heart for God's love. Making room in your heart for God's love. I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to get this out there before saying anything. Making room in your heart for God's love is something that I have struggled with. I, I, it's been really difficult for me. It's been really hard. And, and in fact, I didn't even really realize it until recently um, how deep this went. In fact, growing up, uh, it was easy for me to think about faith in very different terms than the heart, right? I grew up in a family, you may have heard this before, my grandpa was a pastor, two uncles were pastors, my, my parents are wonderful, my, I have two older brothers and they were wonderful. And I often walked around going to all the church events knowing that my family was kind of, they did the right things they, uh, people generally liked them. And I looked at my older brothers. I'm like, man, they never went to the principal's office. All the teachers, like, they're getting, like, Christmas cards from teachers. I'm like, who, who, <laughs> what is happening here? I'm like, my brothers are pretty awesome. And, and I knew one of the worst things I could ever do was disobey or, or break the rules or anything like that. So my faith, it was very comfortable for me to make room in my strength for God. But God, I'll just tell me what to do. Give me the list. I can knock it out. Tell me what not to do. I can knock it out. I'll be a good Christian. Let me knock it out. Um, tell me what I need to do. And honestly, that was most of my faith until around college. When I hit college, I realized, I'm like, you know what? I should probably understand exactly what I'm believing. I'm going to move it from here to here. I'm going to make room in my mind. All right, God, show me what to believe. What are the actual truths that you tell us? 
What are the actual things that I need to replace my thinking on? I, if you knew me post-college, you'd know that I, I took some seminary courses. If you looked at my YouTube playlist and like watch history, it was all like debates between like atheist Christians, the, the resurrection versus the uh, atonement versus this. And I was really, honestly, my podcast, the amount of hours I consumed of like, uh, of thinking of belief and trying to get it exactly right. I was treating faith like it was like a puzzle. And once I figured out all the right spots, then I was in a good place, right? But when it comes to making room in my heart, I honestly don't even know where to begin with that. What does that even look like? If in my strength is all about what do I need to do, and in my mind is all about what do I need to think, what does it mean to make room in my heart? And I imagine, too, uh, that when you make room in your heart, it actually transforms things. I think of people who I've seen make room in their hearts, and they're saying things like, Lord, I know you love me. Lord, I know that you treasure me. I know that I am chosen by you and created by you, and I'm a child of yours. I love you. That was so far from my vocabulary. In fact, I was basically trying to live life, and even the Christian life, faith, without ever experiencing truly God's love. And when you try to live the Christian faith, and and, uh, even be honest with yourselves in these moments, when you try to live the faith without that peace, when you're living in your strength, in your mind, you have a faith that's actually pretty rigid, And quite judgmental. If you find yourself constantly critiquing everything you hear, everything you see, all your friends, you're you're making judgment calls on them, why aren't they doing the blah, blah, blah. That is probably a good indicator that the love of God needs to penetrate your heart. You need to make room for him in your heart. Because that's me. That's me. We're going to read from our passage today. Um, I love Christmas. I love getting into the Christmas stories. Um, So we are going to be reading from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. And I'm reading from the ESV. I I like the way how it says some of the things. And this is a beautiful passage. We've probably heard it before. It's the story of Gabriel coming to Mary and saying, Mary, you're going to bear a child and it's going to be the Son of God. It's, it's a really beautiful, beautiful story. So we're going to read it today. Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. We'll go through it. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at his saying and tried to discern what what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom 
there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and is, this is the sixth month with her whom was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, when I... I've been in your spot many, many, many times before, sitting uh, in the seats, hearing messages, even hearing this specific passage before, and my default is often to immediately start analyzing. Start analyzing the passage. All right, I got it. I have the information. It, the, the angel comes to Mary. The Son of God will be within her. I got it. Makes sense. Check. Okay, what, what do I have to do? What do I have to do now? Right? Or maybe even, uh, okay, how should I tweak my theology? How should I tweak the way I think just so I, I make sure we're believing truth? Okay? How can I analyze this? That's how my default uh, mind thinks. But what I often fail to do during these things is to make room for God's love. In fact, making room for his love is not easy. But if, if we simply analyze, if we simply ask, what do I do? If we simply ask, what should I believe? We're kind of missing the point. <laughs> We're kind of missing the point because God's love is at the center of this story. Again, if you're like me, even this, me talking about it, it's not really connecting and honestly, love is an emotion that I, I'm kind of new to. It, it feels like I'm new to it. Uh, but there are some things that have helped along the way. Even this week, um, if you guys do know my little daughter, Addie, she's been, she's been a little sick. She had a fever last night of 102, uh, which was sad. She was waking up. And during this time, it's getting colder. She's feeling sick. One thing that she's done more than ever is I can hear her cry through the monitor, Daddy Rocky? <laughs> Daddy Rocky? <laughs> Which means she wants me to rock her. And so last night, you know, 2 a.m., I'm sitting there, and this has been this whole week, and I'm rocking her. And she was crying, but now she's nestling her head into my chest and just getting all cozy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl. I love her. Oh man, do I love this girl who I'm holding right now. I feel her warmth next to me. And my wife and I started doing something that's new. I, I get up when she's finally done rocking and I go over to her crib and I say, hey, Addie. She goes, yeah. I'm like, do you know I love you no matter what good things you do? She goes, yeah. Like, do you know I love you no matter what bad things you do? She goes, yeah. 
like, who else loves you like that? She puts her hands up and goes, God. (laughs) And I say, rest in that love. Put her down to sleep. Sometimes it's hard to make room for love or to even know what it feels like. And sometimes it's even easy for me to forget that that's how God views us. And in an even greater way than I can even imagine, he loves us. And oftentimes I've heard the story of God, but often I don't hear it through the lens of his love. Because I'm so analytical, I'm so, I I, I default to not the heart. Um, It's easy for me not to make room for his love and not even to see it. But I did want to go back in the story to highlight his love, to view the lens, view, view his story through the lens of his love. You guys know this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And you can almost imagine him just so excited. He's making mountains. He's making birds. He's making trees. He's making streams. He's, he's getting so excited because he's about to make the most amazing thing, the thing that he really wants to make, the thing that he's going to love the most. And finally, he makes and crafts and knits together Adam and Eve. And oh my gosh, does he love them. He loves them. He walks with them throughout the cool of the day. He hears their laughter. He sees them grow. They're bringing joy to his heart. Oh, he's dwelling with them and it's so rich and he's making things for them and he's seeing them exercise their gifts and, and, and do these amazing things and he's filled with joy. Oh, I love my creation, Adam and Eve. I love you. And then you can almost imagine he watches as a serpent comes up and starts deceiving his child and starts putting lies in the child's head. And he, you can see and almost imagine his heart breaking as Adam and Eve choose to go their own way and, de- and depart from him. And sin breaks the relationship and splits them apart And the God who loves them and created them is heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken that he no longer gets to dwell with them like he once did. And throughout the story, we see this this nature of sin, choosing our own way, creating death and destruction and pain and oppression and the, the actual breath that he's given to each and every one of us inside of us is then being used by his creation to destroy and tear down others. And the, the bones and ligaments and tendons that he created and knitted together perfectly, each one uniquely, is being used to harm others. And all this time he's reaching out his arms and saying, guys, I want to be with you. I love you. I want to be with you. And it's creation. And all of us say, no, I don't want any part of it. And it keeps going. And it's the pain is getting greater and greater and greater. And his heart is breaking and breaking and breaking because these people he loves are choosing to go away from him. And as it grows and grows and grows, you can almost imagine this moment in the throne room of heaven where the angels are seeing God's heart breaking his children going away from him. 
And his heart is becoming, it's, it's being filled with grief and pain. And he makes a move and the angels look and go, oh, is this the time? And God has had enough. And he turns to them and said, it's time. And this time I'm not sending them a set of rules. I'm not sending them an idea. I love them way too much for that. This time I'm going to send myself. I'm going to send myself because I love them. And he turns to Gabriel and says, Gabriel, it's time. Go, go tell him the good news. And I want you to tell this one girl in, specific, in particular, I've chosen her because I love her. And she is going to bear my son. And we come to this chapter in Luke into what I would imagine is the, possibly the most significant moment in human history where the creator of the world enters into a broken world to save his children, the ones that he loves. So Gabriel goes down and he's overjoyed. And I'm going to read this again in hopes that we can feel the heart through the lens of God's love. In the sixth month, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at his saying. Tried to discern what type of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said, but, but, but how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel said, don't worry. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And Gabriel departed from her. My hope is that you can view that story through a different lens, through the lens of God's love, and that in doing so, we can all feel our hearts start to soften, start to make room for his love in our hearts. There was an illustration that was sent to me a couple years ago. And it was the first illustration, first piece of art that ever made me cry. It made me cry. This is a piece called Mary Consoles Eve. Mary Consoles Eve. And in this, there's a lot going on, but one of the messages is that God never abandons us. He never abandons his children. And he never abandoned Eve. I want to take a moment just to look at this together. And just note what you see. 
to me in this picture, there's a promise being fulfilled. You can see Eve filled with shame, filled with guilt. Oh my gosh, why did I turn against the one I loved? And you can see God almost saying, Eve, you know I love you no matter what good things you do. You know I love you no matter what bad things you do. It's going to be okay. I have come. In, in preparing for the sermon, there was something I came across which was really fascinating to me and it has to do tie in with something from the Old Testament. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. If you've heard those stories, the Ark of the Covenant was this thing they held and it held the presence of God as well as the documents of the first covenant, the first promise. It was right there. But Mary is the new and better Ark of the Covenant because in Mary, we see her carrying the presence of God within her. And she holds the second covenant and final. Except this time, it's not a set of rules. It's God's son. It's a person. For God so loved the world, he loved us, that he gave his son to us. For me, that is significant because so much of my life has been built up on rules. To know that it's actually his love at the center. In this picture too, we see Mary, a confident Mary, holding the Son of God. And, uh, and I must ask, I'm like, Mary, how did you get to that point? It's been so difficult for me to make room in my heart. How do you get to this point where, where you have made room, not only in your heart, but in your, your body for, for the Savior of the world? I want to key in on some key things in this passage. You, we already went through Gabriel comes to Mary, and there's something actually significant going on here. It says, he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And Mary seems to be troubled at this statement. Why is Mary <laughs> troubled at this statement, this really wonderful greeting? Well, that word greetings, the angel comes in and says, greetings. This is not just hi or hello or how's it going? You know, this is not a common word. It's actually a word packed with joy and honor. It's actually a word that the disciples ended up using for Jesus and it's actually could be closely translated to hail. Hail, Rabbi. Hail, Jesus. Honor and, and, uh, and joy is wrapped up in this. So you can imagine an angel coming to Mary and saying that. And instead of inserting her name, saying, hi, Mary, he actually almost, the way it's structured, retitles her retitles her. Instead of saying, uh, greetings, Mary, he says, greetings, O favored one. And in the Greek, the root word of that is grace. O one filled with grace. Greetings, O one filled with grace. And it's very particular. It's the only time it's used. O one filled with grace. Mary is being chosen and blessed specifically by God in this moment. 
And then an angel, after honoring her and, and telling her that she is favored and loved, says, the Lord is with you, Mary. The Lord is with you. This would come to a shock to her, I would imagine, too. Because if you think of Mary, we know some things about Mary. Mary is from Nazareth. Now, Luke, in his writing, literally has to call out a, a city that's near Nazareth because no one knows what Nazareth is. It's like Nazareth, it's near Galilee. You might know Galilee. Nazareth is a no-name town. I even research. There's no notable historical anything from Nazareth until this moment. Nothing. It's well under a thousand people. They're not known for anything. <laughs> Nazareth, nothing good can come from Nazareth, if you know that. So she's from a no-name town. What else? She's, she's a Jew under Roman rule. She's Jewish under Roman rule. A strike against. She's a female. Uh, also uh, not a status winner in this time. And she's only like 12 to 15 years old. She's young. There's nothing spectacular about Mary. There's nothing spectacular. So when an angel comes in and says, Mary, you are highly favored by God himself. It's just sheer grace. She is filled with grace. It's a total gift. She, it's not because anything good she did, anything bad she did. It's simply because God loves her. He loves her. For me, this idea of being highly favored, that God loves us, it has been super difficult. It's been truly very difficult for me. Um, especially because it's not because of anything I've done. It's not because I was a perfect Christian and didn't get in trouble. It's not because I had the perfect theology and could pass a seminary course, right? It has nothing to do with those things. Absolutely nothing. But I grew up uh, believing, uh, kind of as Mary did, I was greatly troubled if these words were said to me, I would be greatly troubled. Why? Well, in my house, I had two older brothers, and honestly, they were awesome. <laughs> they were really great, really cool older brothers. They uh, honor roll students. They are artistic. They, they made the papers for their athletic achievements. They were awesome. They were really cool. And somewhere in there, I began to believe that I was not, that I wasn't that special, that if someone's coming over to our house, it's definitely not for me. <laughs> They're coming to hang out with my brothers or my parents or someone else. Uh, and I didn't realize how deeply rooted this was. I, truthfully, growing up, I never had anyone over to my house, any of my friends I never had a sleepover. I never stayed up till 12 p.m., till 3 a.m. playing video games with my buddy and we're chatting and going. I never had that. My brothers did. <laughs> but I never thought anyone would want to come and hang out with me. The hard thing is, is that translated to how I viewed God. I was in a men's group and we were talking about this and we were talking about God as a good shepherd who loves his sheep and how he would go, he would leave the 99 to go after the one sheep who got led astray. And I said in the group, I'm like, I am 
I'm certainly not one that, I'm not the one. Jesus would never go after me. In fact, I think I'm probably number 73. I'm, I'm the one in the corner. I'm eating my grass. I'm doing the things I need to do. I'm trying, I'm doing the best I can. I'm, I'm living it out. But I don't think God would ever want to come to my corner and hang out with me. And, and, and hold me and comb me and shear me and, and give me food out of his hand. That's not, I didn't believe that. And I could feel my heart in this moment. It, it hardened. My heart was not making room for his love at all because I, was, I didn't believe the things he actually said about me. So at the end of this passage, we actually see Mary something has shifted within her. She goes from the place I've been at most of my life, which is greatly troubled. I, God, I don't think you really want, I, I, you don't want me. And she shifts to a place where at the end of this, the story, she says, God, I am your servant. And, and let this happen. And she does this in two ways. One, she accepts his grace. She's filled with grace. God, God is lavishing her with, with grace, not because of anything she's done, but she's going to bear his son. She's going to be called blessed. She's being uh, just loved on. And by the end of this passage, I believe that she accepted it. She made room. She softened her heart and made room for God's love. And two, she believed his word. She believed his word. She believed what he said about her. That she was chosen. That she was loved. That she was, she was filled with grace. That she was highly favored. That in some weird way, she was a favorite child of God's. That he loved her and he, he would hold her and he would rock her because he loves her so much. And in the same way, that's how he views us. But how do we know that it's not just Mary intellectually knowing, all right, God, you're calling me to this. I got the information. I'll do it. I'll perform the task. How do we know that that's not happening to Mary? How do we know that she actually made room in her heart for his love? Well, just a couple verses later, she is so overwhelmed with the love of God she can only do one thing. Burst out in song. Out of the outflow of her heart, she bursts out in song and says, Lord, my soul magnifies you. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate, the lowly estate of his servant, and Behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. All generations will call me blessed. She explodes with the love of God in song, and her spirit and soul rejoices. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mary, no name, girl from the middle of nowhere, is one who God loves. And after seeing this is what Mary does, I had to ask myself, okay, Aaron, 
When was the last time you rejoiced and were overcome with the love of God? And to be honest, I didn't have many, I don't don't really have too many examples. Like truthfully, I'm in the middle of understanding just how much God loves me because I've been locked off to it for so long. But I did, in recent memory, there's one, at least one thing that came to mind we were on our fall retreat for our student, uh, our student fall retreat, and during the middle of our second day, there was this free time. Students, I, you probably remember it fondly. Rock climbing, swimming, uh, playing with your friends, all these things. And for some reason, I was compelled to go into the chapel, completely empty, and pick up my guitar. And while all this stuff was going around, I decided I wanted to connect with God in that moment. And I sang a song that in years previous would, would have no real connection, would not really move me. But for some reason, after meditating on how God views me, how he loves me, I sang these words from a song. And actually, I'm going to sing it for you today. Just imagining him rocking me, right? And I sang... My soul sings in the morning. I love the King and He loves me. And all that I'm compelled to bring is my everyday offering. I'm going to end with a couple points here, but guys, it's about the love of God. He loves you. You can have the perfect theology. You can have, you can do all the service projects in the world. You can, you can uh, do all the right things and figure it all out. But if it's not, if the love of God is not in your heart and compelling you to do these things, then who cares? Who cares? For me, this has been a lesson I'm still learning. And these, this is not normal for me. But I do think God is being very kind to me and showing me how much he loves me. Now he wants to rock me to sleep and say, you know I love you no matter what good things you do. Aaron, Aaron, you know I love you no matter what bad things you do. You know that I favor you and I, I came here for you and nothing, nothing in this world could ever separate, separate me from you. So how do we make room? How do we do this? For me, some practical things. One, to call out the lies. For so long in my life, I was believing, Aaron, you're, you're not that special You're not that. No one really wants to hang out with you. Certainly God doesn't want to do that. Um, All the things, all the ways you're trying to earn love, it's never going to be enough. One, call out the lies. Two, ask God what he thinks of you. Honestly, in prayer, tonight, now, whatever, ask God, Lord, how do you actually view me? Do you? 
do you love me? Do you cherish me? Do you hold me tight? Do you rock me? Because he's, he's been saying for all of eternity, yes, yes, I do. I love you. And three, let him know you need him. We need him. He didn't come out of his love for nothing. He, he knew we needed a savior. He knew that we were broken and that he wanted to come into our hearts. We need him. Do you believe that? Or do you believe that you, you don't actually need him? You can do all the right things and it's good. We need him. We need a savior. We need to invite him into our hearts. We need to soften our hearts and make room for him. Then our everyday offering comes from our overflow of his love for us. And our rigid, judgmental faith that critiques and tears down others beside us starts to soften. And his love is shown to others. I'm going to sing a song that we heard earlier and I want it to be kind of a, a meditation of sorts for you guys an opportunity for you to go to God with, with your heart with your life and ask him what he thinks of you to believe the things he says you are cherished you are loved you are a child of God you are fearfully and wonderfully made he knit you specifically together in your mother's womb. You are his masterpiece and he loves you. Be thinking of that. I'm going to sing the song. I'm going to provide space in it for you to have those conversations with God. Is there room in your heart Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write his story? You can come as you are, but it may set you For in his hands he holds
close tomorrow Is there room in your Dear God, Lord, Father, you love me, you love us. This whole time from the beginning, all you've wanted is to be with us and to dwell with us, to lavish us with gifts, to know that we are your prized possession, your children, whom we whom you love. Lord, I pray that we would cast out all the lies, all the things, all the, the ways we feel like we have to earn your love, the ways that we think this is all about what we believe. But Lord, I pray that we make room in our heart for your love for us and that in all moments we can feel and receive your gift that we did nothing to earn there was nothing, no bad things that we could do that could separate us from you. Why? Because you love us. You love me. We pray this in your name. Amen.